How's everybody doing today? Hotep, hey, this is Michael. I'm Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm out here in Inkster, Michigan, right outside of Detroit. I'm at Inkster Park, 1550 Daily, uh, 1550 John Daly Street in Inkster, Michigan. So I'm here at the uh, Juneteenth celebration and uh, commemoration of the Middle Passage. It's taking place today, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, I speak at 7.30 p.m. today, okay? So uh, everybody share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in also. How's everybody doing? Uh, so when I speak today, I'm going to record it. I'm going to try to live stream it as well. I'm going to deal with some real history dealing with Juneteenth. We have to correct the history of Juneteenth, and we have to protect the history of Juneteenth. Uh, I was watching MSNBC today. I was watching information on Facebook. I had to correct some people on Facebook about the history of Juneteenth, okay? On uh, MSNBC, they said that this commemorates the last day of slavery. This commemorates when the enslaved Africans in Galveston, Texas, got the word they were free, and they said it was two, uh, two and a half years, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, all right? That's wrong. Number one. The Emancipation Proclamation, January 1st, 1863, did not free the enslaved Africans. It did not free the enslaved Africans. All these documents, we have to go read these documents, okay? I was speaking in Mount Clemens, Michigan, Friday night, Friday evening. Go to archives.gov. Archives.gov is the U.S. National Archives. I was reading General Order Number 3 at the U.S. National Archives today, all right? The Emancipation Proclamation was a military strategy that Abraham Lincoln used, and it was designed to bring the, the territories in rebellion back into the Union, bring the South back into the Union, okay? Um, you had 11 states that seceded from the Union, starting with South Carolina, December 20th, 1860, about six weeks after Abraham Lincoln became president-elect. And the Southern states thought Lincoln was going to free the slaves. They formed the Confederate States of America in March of 1861. They, they set up their own government. They set up their own constitution. They broke away from the Union, took up arms against the Union, and committed tre a treason based upon Article 3, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Go to archives.gov, U.S. National Archives, read the U.S. Constitution. Go to loc.gov, the Library of Congress website, read the U.S. Constitution, okay? All these documents we have to read. We have to understand when we have these Juneteenth celebrations, we have to, this can't be black folks 4th of July or 4th of July, as Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango said, where we just sit around, get drunk, eat barbecue, eat pork, things like this. We can have a celebration, but we have to have four crucial elements, history, economics, law, and politics. History, economics, law, and politics. Remember the acronym HELP. This has to be infused into these Juneteenth, Juneteenth celebrations because we have to correct the history of Juneteenth and protect the history of Juneteenth and keep Juneteenth from being co-opted by other people. Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday gives us an opportunity, if we know how to use it, to force into the national conversation a history that Republicans are passing laws and Republicans control state legislatures to suppress the teaching of that history in K-12 schools and in some cases at the college level. 
So we can use it as a powerful weapon, but we have to educate ourselves in this, in, in the correct history and understand history, economics, law, and politics. Okay? Now, the, the Emancipation Proclamation stated that the territories in rebellion, if they did not come back into the Union by January 1st, 1863, that their slaves would be set free. But it also gave exceptions. The border states, Maryland, Missouri, Kentucky, and Delaware, they were allowed to keep their slaves. Maryland did not abolish slavery until November 1st, 1864. That's almost two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Delaware and Kentucky did not abolish slavery until December 6, 1865. That's six months after Juneteenth. All this is easily verifiable. Go, uh, go to history.com and uh, search for Emancipation Proclamation and read the article that they have on the Emancipation Proclamation. Google, when did uh, Kentucky abolish slavery? Okay, when, when the 13th Amendment is ratified, December 6, 1865, when Georgia ratifies the 13th Amendment, that's what legally ends slavery in this country. It wasn't the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, visit my website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. I have an extensive two-and-a-half-hour lecture that I've done dealing with the real history of Juneteenth. I provide documentation for you as well, provide uh, supporting sources. We have it in DVD format and digital download format. So it's right here on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. You can order it start watching right now. It's important for us to have this correct information, okay? Now, the... Uh, Emancipation Proclamation, even though it did not free the slaves, the enslaved Africans, it did change the course of the U.S. Civil War, because in the beginning the war was fought, as Lincoln said, to keep the Union together, to bring the South back into the Union. But with the Emancipation Proclamation, January 1st, 1863, then the purpose of the Civil War became freeing the enslaved Africans. Okay, so it's going to lead to the 13th Amendment because um, the 13th Amendment is passed by the U.S. Senate in 1864 and is passed by the House of Representatives uh, January 31st, 1865. Lincoln is going to be assassinated April 14, 1865 at the Ford Theater. He dies the next morning, April 15, 722 a.m. He's assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. Now, the... You had have, you have to amend the U.S. Constitution to legally end chattel slavery because the U.S. Constitution sanctions slavery. Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution laid the foundation for the international transatlantic slave trade to be abolished January 1st, 1808. Go read that. Go to loc.gov. Read the U.S. Constitution. This is why when you study the United States versus Amistad, U.S. Supreme Court case 1841, that's why those Africans, Joseph St. Q and those other Africans from Sierra Leone, that's why they won their freedom in the U.S. Supreme Court, because it was illegal for them to be captured in the first place because it violated international treaties. One, two, it was a violation of U.S. federal law because they had abolished the international transatlantic slave trade, which means bringing Africans into the country to enslave them. And Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution said that there would be a $10 tax put on every African brought into the country after the international transatlantic slave trade was abolished. Which, and this helps to lay a legal foundation for reparations because all the Africans that are brought to this country from January 1st, 1808 
through June, July 1860 when the Cotilda comes into Alabama, all that's illegal, all that's human trafficking based upon U.S. federal law and their U.S. court cases to back up this argument. One of the strongest court cases is the U.S. Supreme Court case of the United States versus the Amistad 1841. Go to archives.gov. They have some of the original court documents from that U.S. Supreme Court case dealing with the Amistad. All right, now, June 19, 1865 commemorates when Major General Gordon Granger delivers General Order Number 3. He goes into Galveston, Texas. He comes in the day before. He has about 2,000 Union troops with him, most of them African-American men, most of them colored troops. He delivers General Order Number 3, which is enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation. It took military force to physically take back Texas, which was part of the Confederacy, and Texas was a safe haven for uh, slave owners. Slave owners were coming from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, taking their slave Africans into Texas, because Texas was more far removed from uh, Civil War battles, and there was less of a presence of the Union troops in Texas. June 19th is not when all of the enslaved Africans in Texas got the word that they, that, that, that they were going to be freed based upon General Order Number 3. It took almost a year for Major General Gordon Granger and his troops to go all throughout Texas to enforce General Order Number 3 and physically using military force, take back Texas. There were 250,000 enslaved Africans in Texas. All of them didn't get the word on June 19th. But June 19th was the date that has been agreed upon to celebrate what happened, okay? To celebrate some of those getting their freedom. Now, others are gonna be held in captivity until the next year, 1866 sometime. The word is gonna be kept from some, others are gonna get the word, but still kept in physical bondage by their slave owners. So June 19, 1865 was not the last day of slavery for a number of reasons, okay? Uh, number one. Number two, the Emancipation Proclamation did not legally free the slaves. That, that was the uh, 13th Amendment ratified December 6, 1865. And when we deal with this history in Juneteenth celebrations, we can't just deal with one date. We have to deal with a history that leads up to the Civil War taking place. You have to deal with the Haitian Revolution, 1791 to 1803. The Haitians declared their independence January 1st, 1804. Uh, and, and the Haitian Revolution is connected to the, to the um, Louisiana Purchase of 1803 because the reason, one of the reasons why France sold 828,000 square miles of land that was here in the U.S. in the middle of what makes up the U.S. is because the Haitians, the, the French were getting their behinds kicked by the Haitians in the French colony of Saint Dominique that's on the western third of the island of Hispaniola. Hispaniola is conquered by Christopher Columbus 1492. It's going to be in 1697 that the French take control of the western third of the island. The Spanish called it Santo Domingo. The French call it Saint Dominique. The Haitians start a, a revolution in 1791, August of 1791, against the French. The, the Fr France is going almost bankrupt fighting against the Haitians. So they sell 828,000 square miles of land here in the U.S. for $15 million to the U.S. This almost, this basically doubles the, the, uh, the territory of the U.S. at that time and gives more fertile land for the U.S. to plant crops and it also increases the need for enslaved Africans. So you have the Haitian Revolution 1791, Louisiana Purchase 1803, you have the Compromise of 1820, which organizes the land that the U.S. gets from the Louisiana Purchase. The, the Compromise of 1820 is designed to try to help keep the Union together and keep a civil war from taking place. 
and they try to keep a balance between free states and slaveholding states, the U.S. is going to carve out about 15 states out of the land that they get from uh, France. So you have the Compromise of 1820, and it allows uh, Maine and Missouri to come into the state. Uh, Maine comes into the uh, Union as a, a free state, and Missouri comes in as a slaveholding state. It then abolishes slavery in the rest of that territory. Well, when you have the Dred Scott decision, March 1857, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to nullify the Missouri Compromise of 1820, and they said that it violated the Fifth Amendment rights of due process to slave owners. You're going to have something called, you have the uh, 1821, Mexico wins its independence from Spain because we know Spain conquers Mexico. 1829, Vicente Guerrero becomes the second president of Mexico, and he's a African, uh, Native American, uh, uh, he's, he's Afro-Latino, he's a former slave. 1829, he abolishes slavery. 1836, Texas wins, wins his independence from Mexico. You have runaway enslaved Africans running from Texas into Mexico. That's the Southern Underground Railroad. You have a Southern Underground Railroad going into Mexico once Vicente Guerrero abolishes slavery right around the same time, 1830-1831, that you have the Northern Underground Railroad being established as well from the South going up North and then later going into Canada. So we have to understand this chronology of history. Texas won its independence from Mexico, 1836. Mexican-American War, 1846-1848. Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, 1848, where uh, the U.S. gets California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and Nevada. They get all that land from Mexico for something like about $5 million. Mexico loses a third of its territory. California comes into the Union in 1850 as a free state, but they try to ban all free African Americans. The first governor of California, when it's a, a, a state in the Union, is Peter Burnett. Peter Burnett was the governor in uh, Oregon. They banned all free black people in Oregon. That's the Black Exclusion Laws of 1844 in Oregon. Research Peter Burnett, okay? So you have the uh, Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854. The Kansas-Nebraska Act organizes the land that the U.S. gets from the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, 1848, which ends the Mexican-American War, and it allows for westward expansion of slavery out west into the Kansas-Nebraska Territory. This infuriates abolitionists like Frederick Douglass. As a backlash to the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854, you have the Republican Party that's formed to be the counter to the Democratic Party, and the Republican Party is formed largely of abolitionists. You have Kansas-Nebraska Act 1854. You have uh, 1860, uh, Lincoln becoming president-elect, okay? You have December 1860, South Carolina seceding from the Union. Then uh, in uh, March 4th, 1861, when Lincoln gives his inaugural address, he states that he has no intention of abolishing slavery in states where uh, slavery already exists. This infuriates abolitionists once again. April 12, 1861, you have the attack on Fort Sumter, which is a stronghold, a Union stronghold in South Carolina. This launches the U.S. Civil War. U.S. Civil War, April 12, 1861, to uh, April 9, 1865, when General Robert E. Lee surrenders to General Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse in um, Virginia. But 
the U.S. Civil War is going to continue for about another 16 months until August of 1866, because even though General Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia, his Confederate Army was the largest Confederate Army, it was not the only Confederate Army. So the Union had to negotiate terms of, a, of surrender with the other generals of the smaller Confederate armies, like General, General Joseph E. Johnston's uh, army in uh, Tennessee, uh, General Nathan Bedford Forrest's army in Tennessee, okay? Uh, yes, sister. What do you need? Okay, take a look over here. Yeah, these are some of my lectures. I'm a historian. I'm speaking at uh, 7.30 p.m. I'm Michael M. Hotel, this is the African History Network. Okay, so... When we have these celebrations of Juneteenth, we can come together, we can have fun, we can see people we haven't seen since last year, we can support African-American-owned businesses, we have to inject a history lesson into this. We have to educate the people who come. We have to correct the misinformation that's in the media. We have to control the narrative. We cannot allow other people to control the narrative dealing with this African history. And we have to use this period to deal with history, economics, law, and politics. We have to understand law because law and politics, law and politics shapes conditions. Movements take place, people organize to fight against those conditions, to put laws and policies in place to address the conditions. So you have a cycle. We have to use this holiday, this celebration, this commemoration, to force into the national conversation a history that Republicans are passing laws in, Confederate, in, in former Confederate states especially in the state legislature to suppress the teaching of the history. They're banning books dealing with our history, okay? And then at the same time, those same states have voter suppression laws, just like they did going back to 1890 when Mississippi rewrote their state constitution to impose poll taxes and literacy tests. And the um, white county judge who presided over the Mississippi State Convention of 1890s, his name was Solomon Saladin Calhoun, he said, we came here to exclude the Negro. And they did this in a state that had an African-American majority population. When we look at Florida and Governor Ron DeSantis, he's continuing what the white supremacists did in, in Florida going back to 1868 when they rewrote this, when they wrote the state constitution in 1868, three years after slavery ended, and they created a felony disenfranchisement law to target African Americans because we were 48% of the state population in Florida, and they said they did this to prevent a Negro legislature because they, they knew if we could vote, then we would vote these white supremacists out of office, okay? You go to November 2nd, 1920, the Okoy Massacre, Okoy, Florida, which was, a, which was a, an election day massacre. The day before, the Ku Klux Klan drives through the African-American community there in Okoy, Florida, and warns them, if you show up to the voting polls tomorrow, you will be met with violence. Many of us showed up anyway, and they massacred uh, many African-Americans. The Okoy Massacre, November 2nd, 1921, the worst examples of election day violence in the history of this country. You have uh, 1960, um, Jacksonville, Florida, the uh, uh, Axe Handle Saturday, where you had the Ku Klux Klan, and they passed out axe handles to white supremacists who attacked and beat civil rights workers sitting in at the lunch counters. That's called Axe Handle Saturday, okay? So when we have these celebrations, we have to infuse this history we can have the African drumming, we can have the food, we have to support economic, we have to support African-American-owned businesses, deal with the economic component, but we also have to correct the history of Juneteenth, to protect the history of Juneteenth, and teach about law as well, and understand that politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. The, the, we're writing a law, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. 
politics is not just voting. Voting is a, a, a very important part of politics. And everything that we deal with, politics impacts every aspect of our lives, from the water we drink to the air we breathe to the food we eat to the educational system to uh, the economy uh, to the healthcare system, criminal justice. All that is shaped by laws and policies. But we have to stop telling African Americans to exercise your right to vote. You don't vote for exercise. If you want to exercise, you go to the gym and work out. You vote for power. You vote for power. You vote people in the office whose policies match up with your agendas, who can pass laws that benefit you, your people, your family, your community, and policies that are good for African Americans, are good for America in general. And we also have to identify those who keep passing laws and keep voting against our own interests, and we have to fire them. We have to vote them out of office. We must understand and master political self-defense. Political self-defense. So that's a sample of what I'm going to talk about today. Come on down. Visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Here's, uh, I'm going to flip this around. You can see some of my lectures here also. And we have all these lectures at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Hold on. Let me flip this around. We have, uh, we have a bundle pack also of my lectures and... We have an online class that's starting up Saturday, uh, an online history class I teach, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. is going to be Saturday instead of Sunday. Saturday, June 24th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12-week online course. Visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. You can register right now. It's on sale $80, regular $130. Soon as you register, there's uh, content uh, already uploaded. You can start watching now. You can join us in class. Uh, we have, uh, this is my Cash App information here as well, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, so you can support us there. We have that information around the homepage of our website. We have a bundle pack where you get, uh, uh, 15 of my lectures, easier, either in digital download format or DVD, $75 digital download format, or $100, uh, for DVD, okay? All right. So. It's starting the music up again. So we're going to get out of here. Uh, I'm at uh, Inkster Park at the, at the Pavilion, 1550 John Daly Street, Inkster, Michigan. When you come into the park, just drive straight back. You'll see the Pavilion over to your right, okay? Right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Uh, you can support us. Dollar sign, the, A the AHN Show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN Show. And we have the information right there in the thread of the broadcast. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.